Hello and welcome to the In My Defense podcast, folks. I am your host, Christian. This is our second episode. If this is your first time joining us, feel free to go back to the first two. You know, it's still, it's not too late. Basically, this is a show where I bring on a guest every single episode and give them the chance to geek out on a specific subject of their choice. And what are we talking about here today? We are talking about self-improvement and the steps one might need to take to find a happier sense of self. Now, is this my choice obviously not anyone who knows me personally knows that there's a lot that still needs to be improved but my guest molly irizari has taken these steps herself and she wanted to share those steps with the world and i think she did a fantastic job she was a fantastic guest she is an overall lovely person and i really feel like everyone will be better for having to hear what she has to say i'm not going to take up too much of your time before we get right into it if you enjoy the show let us know on itunes give us a five star rating uh whatever other rating systems they might have on stitcher on spotify on whatever your podcatcher of choice happens to be let us know reach out to me on in my defense podcast at gmail.com send all feedback to that email address and i will work my best to make this show better if you want to try to be on the show if you have suggestions for subjects that you want to hear us talk about let me know folks this is a community driven podcast okay i want as many people involved in this as possible to make it as good as it can possibly be now i'm not going to take up too much of your time let's get into the self-improvement talk with molly irizari right after the music So, all right, we'll get right into it. So, I am here with Molly Irizari, one of my friends, and she's here to talk to us about self improvement. So, say it's just say hi to everybody, Molly. So, hi everybody. And we're now we're talking about self improvement. Now, my first question is going to be for you, real quick: is what does that mean? I, I think self improvement sounds like one of these really broad uh, subgenres of a culture that we could talk about. So, is there any like specific aspect of self improvement that we're going to be tackling? That's a really, really good question. So it is an umbrella term. And if you take self-improvement, you could almost put everything into it, even things as far as fitness, um, everything involving maybe if you're trying to grow your business, um, things involving maybe you're trying to grow charisma. Um, it's all encompassing. So um, I love self-improvement. In particular today, I wanted to talk about uh, breaking down the term living your best life. Um, so it's just a little little area of it but really it's a huge umbrella term self-improvement okay yeah and what has it done for you exactly because like i think me i'm this is one of the subjects that i'm coming in the most green as like i this is something that i haven't really studied up on a lot on my own and when i think of the term self-improvement i imagine like you know the section in the library or barnes and noble if those still exist anymore um of you know, the self-help books and the roles of that kind of thing. So like what, what exactly, what exactly on, uh, about self-improvement has touched you in, in, in your life? So I dare to argue, and this is actually what today's talk will be about that self-improvement is something that we all, um, participate in, whether we're aware of or not. Um, and I think it's actually part of our purpose in life is to keep growing and getting better and better. And even you yourself in doing what you're doing, you're contributing to the world. You're bringing your best self out using your skills and talents, growing and growing like this for you is a component of your own self-improvement. So for me personally, it's touched my life in terms of 
I feel as though I've been able to maybe be in certain relationships, work in certain jobs um, that previously I wouldn't have if with the old versions of me had I not worked on myself. Um, so I've become a huge just advocate for it. And I'm all for people um, just becoming better and better. What's the culture like around something like this? Is there like, are there like self-improvement conventions? Do people cosplay at uh, self-improvement <laughs> cons? Um, well, I'm, I'm sure there's like the average outfit that someone might wear, but um, it's for anybody and everybody of all ages. There are self-improvement um, like conferences of all kinds. Um, one popular one that I've gone to is called Rise by Rachel Hollis. Anybody who's into self-improvement will be aware of who that is. Um, but you basically, it's a lot of people who gather in a room and you gain tons of motivation and insight for improving different areas of your life. And she's not the only one who has it. There's tons of people like Tony Robbins is another one who's very business oriented. He holds his own thousands of people show up. Uh, So there's no one person who fits the mold. Like I said, I think everybody is really on that path for self-improvement, whether they're aware of it or not. So. Okay, so if you if you were if if you were trying to I don't want to say convert someone to the life of self improvement, uh, <laughs> but I, I imagine there is like a spiritual aspect of this kind of thing. But um, what what would what would be your elevator pitch? How would you try to get somebody in on this? Okay, so you have more than likely, if you're human, you have goals and dreams, right? They right. might seem like they're Maybe if you're, if you're actually doing it the right way, your goals and dreams are going to feel a lot bigger than what you can actually handle at this moment. And that just means that your goals and dreams can come true, but you have to kind of grow to reach them there. And you have to kind of shift and change to reach them there. Um, so there's no losing in this uh, as part of this process. There's nothing that you can actually lose as far as trying to be your best self, um, gain things in your life. Um, it does take discipline. It does take motivation and hard work and wanting to up level. Um, but you don't lose anything by that. And that can only benefit the people around you too. So. Okay. When, when did you, uh, in your life, when did you switch to this kind of mindset? When, when did it become clear that this is something that you had to make an active effort and start doing? Cause I imagine part of this is getting over the fact that a lot of people kind of live their lives pretty passively where yes. it's kind of, it's kind of just like taking what comes and dealing with it and not so much taking an active effort in changing. Like, it's like, it's like any other kind of lifestyle choice. Like either, either you, either you could just stay the way things are and, and kind of live like that. And I don't want to say people are comfortable with some kind of abject misery yeah. uh, to some degree, but it's, it's the idea that no, if, if I want things to get better, I yeah. have to do, I have to do something. It's not just, it's not just going to be about like, um, maybe like, it's not just going to be like trying to avoid bad things, but so much trying to actively make good things happen. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I definitely agree with you in that. Um, I would say that I, I, I would definitely say that, okay, self, self-improvement becomes, it's a need in life, right? It's not optional. Um, theoretically we can talk about, for example, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization, which is the part where you are living your best life. You are actually doing all the things you were meant to do. You're using all your skills. Um, you're living your life to its full extent. It's at the top of that need list. 
notice it's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, not options, right? So arguably, we all need to get there eventually. Um, and whether you choose to or not, it kind of like life has a way. And this is the spirituality woo-woo part of it that some people might believe in or might not. It really depends on you. But all of us can agree, regardless of your spirituality or religion, that life, its natural law is change, right? Like trees change, people get older, babies grow. Change is a natural cause and effect. So when you pair this with the fact that change for us is a, is, is, it's not only unavoidable, but for us to become our best selves, it is a need that we internally have. Um, I would say that eventually it's going to kind of smack you in the face. So what I mean by that is that usually what happens is that through some severe trauma, sometimes it's breakups. It could be a near life, a near death experience, death of a family member, uh, a big change in your life. You lose a job. It kind of, uh, it, it rattles your foundation to a point where you realize uh, you reach this thing called awareness. And that's where you become aware of kind of the way that life has been working around you. You become aware of the things that are within yourself that have been holding you in this pattern, in this lifestyle that you have, where maybe you're not living your best life. You're, you're, you're settling for maybe this relationship, this job, this place you live, um, just based on your own limiting beliefs that you had. And so when you reach this awareness, you kind of wake up to that and you're able to look at yourself through a different perspective and look at the world in a different perspective. And then you can start building from there. Um, so for me personally, it was a breakup for me. That's what got me into self-improvement was me going through this earth shattering breakup, which is a loss and it's, it's a deep loss in your life. And that caused me to ask myself some deep questions I never had, which was, what was it in me that kept me in that relationship? What was it in me that made me do this? And that's when you wake up to yourself. Um, and since then, for me, it's been this never ending kind of um, this inner work on myself, identifying, you know, thoughts on a daily, um, doing meditative practices, things I had never done before, just to up level myself to the next level, right? Because life just woke me up. So I hope that answers your question um, to some extent. No, I, no, yeah, I understand. It's, it's uh it's it's the it's the idea that I, I, it's something that I've heard before. I, I know I, I've known some folks who were wanted to make a big change in life, and usually that starts at one. That starts that starts at you. That it it, it it and when you when you come to the when you come to the terms of the fact that the only person who's ever really getting in your way when it comes to achieving certain goals might actually just be yourself. It's an idea that I don't think a lot of people are comfortable with. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, it's a, it's you can you can trace back a lot of problems in society almost to the idea of seek, seeking blame on, in on outside sources rather than yourself, right? Like yes. when, you, when you talk when you talk about someone who can't get the job they want, they can't or they they they, they can't find they can't find someone to fall in love with or something like that. Usually. Uh, the easiest thing you can do is, you know, blame someone else who got the job that you wanted, right? Or if you're not making as much money as you want to do, it's be, or if you're if, or if you don't have as much money as you need, it's because of other people th that are doing it. Um, 
or even in other kind of ways like anybody that you know that might be really into conspiracy theories is there's a level of faith to that like where it's like it's like no no man the reason why I can't get a good job is because the lizard men are keeping me down man it's all on them they're the ones that are just like it's pe- people find like these little tiny things to latch on to so that they don't actually have to confront with the fact that no I, I, I it's it's me it's all on me and and I, if I wanted to change I either have to uh actively change or just settle with the fact that this is who I am. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. Like it's fear that holds us back, but not fear of other people. It's fear of coming to terms with who we are inside. So a lot of us live our daily lives, um, using, um, like through our ego. So an ego is basically, it's a story that we tell ourselves to protect our limiting beliefs so that we don't have to really venture out of that and we feel safe. So let's say my limiting belief is, oh my gosh, I'm never going to find somebody to love me. Um, I'm going to stay within relationships where I don't feel loved. I'm not going to go outside of that. And that's just so that I can keep my internal self kind of safe. It's familiar to me. That's what I know. So that my ego, my my perspective on myself, my life story is based off of that. So now I start telling people, oh man, you know, like guys are all bad. I've been looking, I can't find anybody. And eventually all that kind of processes into your subconscious mind. It kind of brews there. And believe it or not, 90% of your wake, your waking day when you're walking around is run by your subconscious mind, not your conscious mind where you're making decisions. Your subconscious drives your decisions, really. Um, so after believing for so long in that limiting belief, in that story you tell yourself, you begin to make decisions that support it. So a lot of us tend to do that. We're afraid to confront that part of us that believes that about ourselves because it's painful. So we tend to live lives that maybe we're, we're not living at the levels where we probably could, honestly. Um, and I would argue that this is one of the hardest jobs that we have to do as humans, but it's also something that we all have to do eventually. It's like a curriculum yeah. So would you say, um, how should I phrase this? Because I, cause I imagine you make, you make it sound very easy. Well, it's not easy because we were just talking about how difficult it is to overcome your own like personal grudges with yourself. But when it comes to the culture of self-improvement, how ubiquitous would you say it is? Like how, how many other, how many people... I know you don't have any like statistics around anything like that, but do you think there is like a large culture around this idea that uh, we're only a few, a few mild, like mental challenges away from changing our entire lives? I would say it's a lot of people and it's growing, especially like if, if right now, let's say you decided I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go online and look up what like spiritual gurus and like self-improvement people are saying, Right now, especially with this whole COVID thing and everybody's kind of like half forced to go indoors and reflect on their inner selves, rebuild their lives the way they want. I would argue that right now, actually, that culture is growing. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah, I I would argue that it's definitely growing. (laughs) No, yeah, I I would agree with you. And and at least at the very least, I would hope that you're right because um i think I, I think i've said this before but part of the reason why so many things are coming out to the service of so many troubles and so many problems is because there has been a severe lack of empathy between people over 
the last few decades, yeah. it seems. Uh, you know, not to put all the blame on previous generations, but, like, our parents and grandparents definitely grew up in a world where it was all about looking out for number one and not really caring about what's happening to the person across the aisle. Um, and there's a level of self-awareness that I think, like, there, there's no, there's no, People don't see a point in being self-aware anymore and not and not thinking about their own personal behaviors and realizing that like like why 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 are you saying these terrible things to this person over here? It's like, oh, it's because I see that in myself. I see these I see these issues out there, but I don't want to confront them within myself, so I always have to attack somebody else for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, one hundred percent. So like when it comes when it comes to this process and like you you can bring up like how you might have personally gone through it but like what are the what are the steps that kind of lead up into someone maybe not necessarily reaching a, a perfect self but just maybe a better version of themselves that they like. So the first thing it starts with is always that moment of awareness like I said. So if you haven't reached that um you've probably and I this is me generalizing, right? you probably might have been ignoring that little voice inside of you, or you might not have had maybe that, like that change, that life circumstance that really made you, um, really made you like kind of turn everything around. Um, and if you did, maybe again, maybe you ignored it when it happened. Um, but the first step to it would be definitely just recognizing that moment where you can't turn back, where you kind of realize, Hey, there's, you know, I, I really got to work on myself. There's something in me and committing to it. Um, that would always be the first step. Um, you can't fix something that you can't see. And I agree with you. I think that most up until now, a lot of people have ignored working on themselves and everyone's very focused on the exterior, on the external, on job roles. What do you do for a living, et cetera, rather than being, rather than who they are. Um, and I think it really, if most, if more people woke up to their own internal stuff, right. Cause we all have stuff. I would argue that it would actually make the world a much better place. Um, if more people woke up to their inner stuff, confronted their inner stuff, fixed it, reeducated it, if they loved themselves, um, there'd be no reason for people to cheat in relationships. There'd be no reason for people um, to, uh, maybe carry after their parents, bad, ha bad patterns, um, stay in jobs that make them miserable and therefore they make other people's lives miserable. Um, so the first step would be awareness. Um, after that, there are a couple of things that, uh, I could recommend, and this is just based on my own experience, as far as what you can do to start pursuing living, uh, as your better self. Is it okay if I, if I talk a little bit about that? Yeah, do it. And like, if you want to talk about what, what the better version of Molly look like, I imagine you already have like this idea in your head as to what the better Molly is, right? Yeah. So I'll, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So, um, I've been previously, and I'll, I'll just talk because what woke me up was relationships, right? Um, so I was previously in relationships where I would put up with a lot of, a lot of poor behavior. And instead of just standing up and being like a true woman and just saying, you know what, this isn't for me. Let me walk away. I didn't know myself well enough to do that. And so I stayed in a lot of situations that did not serve me, um, that made me kind of betray myself, um, made me 
you know, if you stay in a situation that's not good for you, you're not doing a self-loving thing, right? Um, so a lot of that, and then when I woke up to it, um, I would say that I've been able to kind of, I, I just leveling that part of myself up really changed the ball game in terms of even friends that I have, that I attract into my life, um, relationships and men that I now deal with are less likely to, to bring all that stuff because I'm less likely to deal with it. Um, so things like that, it really, it really changes. And there's also a spiritual aspect to all of this where I was not spiritual before this at all. So another change that's happened to me through self-improvement was becoming more spiritual before I would say I was maybe agnostic. If that I, uh, I never really prayed. I never went to church growing up. I did not grow up in a religious family at all, uh, very far from spirituality and religion. And through this process, I really realized that I can create my life, which puts me at the level of which maybe like I'm a co-creator with God kind of thing. So like God is in my life, um, helps me to create my life. Prayer is a real thing um, where I believe that the universe doesn't interfere with your free will unless you pray to them and let them. So I really like develop my own spirituality in terms of all this where I didn't have that. And so it's natural throughout this whole process that you'll, you'll up level in places where you did not expect um, that you needed to, but you do. Um, and it so, sounds like that was like your own personal take on it in mm-hmm. a way where whether, whether it's through prayer or, or strictly meditation or other, any, any other type of like spiritual assessment, it's always about it. The, the common theme between all of them is always getting the idea of what you want out there into the universe and expecting it to come back to you. Cause if yeah. you just, if you just keep it all internal, it doesn't really go anywhere. Putting, putting, putting that idea out there re- really gets everyone in the right mindset, whether it's through prayer or, you know, writing, making a list and putting it on your refrigerator or on their, on your bedroom door. So you see it every single day, keeping notes and reminders on your phone or, or just like so, it's, it's goal oriented lifestyle. Yes. It's like a he, it's a healing lifestyle. Um, a goal oriented lifestyle. Um, yeah. And, and as far as incorporating all those, all those things that you mentioned, um, a lot of that is trying to reprogram those, um, those beliefs you have about yourself, those kind of like those labeled bad parts of yourself. Uh, if I had to kind of break it down a little bit more, I would say that all of us have what, what you've probably heard of called like an inner child. Um, it's like a, it, another word for that would be like the inner kind of emotional, the pain body, like Eckhart Tolle refers to it as the pain body, um, like kind of the, the emotional part of you that has stunted growth that at some point in your life bought into believing these terrible beliefs. Um, and that's kind of the, your foundation emotionally. And so you grow up as an adult, but emotionally, you're still believing that you're not good enough. You're not wanted. Nobody loves you. You're never going to find love, et cetera, et cetera. And so as you grow older, people never tell you, but, and nobody's ever taught you this. Nobody's ever taught you in school, but you have to change those beliefs as well. They have to grow up and match you. Um, but when you grow up and you try to function in the world, having that little eight-year-old in you, right? That's emotionally acting out. Which accounts um, for about 50% of my comedic personality. 
well, that's the good part because there's good, there's good aspects to those, uh, to that emotional body and you too. But when, let's just say now you go into a relationship, are you going to let that eight-year-old take the wheel and date that woman? No, right. You're going to be that adult Christian and you're going to, um, function from that place. So it's kind of, it comes down to you having to identify what parts of you need to kind of grow up per se, you re-educating it, restructuring it through those things that you said, like making lists, you're reminding yourself, you're doing exercises, meditation, you're connecting with yourself, um, and kind of bringing them to the present to believe things that are healthy and that are going to help you to gain goals that you want to gain in your life. That's the gist of it. This conversation is going to be end up one and being it's going to end up being one of those things that I go back to later on in life because because um, <laughs> I, I know personally I'm not there yet and because I because and so I know that one one day I'm gonna I'm gonna reach that point where it's like okay things have to change and I'm just like oh shit I need to go back and listen to that podcast I recorded with Molly. <laughs> oh my goodness that's so funny um and you know even though I like I've been on this journey I would say I really truly started self improvement maybe about almost say, truly started dedicated a year ago like I remember the day that I identified oh my gosh there is an inner six-year-old in me that has been running my relationships. It was June 4th, 2019. Like I remember the date of finding and discovering this part of myself. Um, so, I mean, it, and it's a process. I'm still not perfect at it. I've learned a lot that I feel like other people can benefit from, which is why I was so happy to record this. Um, but it's, and it hits us all at different ages, different stages, but everybody goes through it eventually. Yeah, I'm glad self-awareness is a first step. I consider myself incredibly self-aware, but I use <laughs> I use that self-awareness for also self-deprecation and amusement. So, oh no, <laughs> that language, yeah, that language that you talk to yourself in, that's important, and that's actually on my tip. So I'm gonna go through them, but um, that's in there. Yeah. So uh, another thing that I would say, so after let's say you identify, you say, hey, I have an inner eight-year-old that is hurt and wounded from childhood, you know, events, trauma. It, it, it doesn't even have to be bad trauma, but it's wounded. It believes that it's not loved, which is me. I believe I'm not loved. Um, I'm stunted in growth there. The next step, it's, it's really hard. And this part probably takes a lot of time, but it's to learn to forgive yourself. Because we looking at that part of ourselves is so hard. It is so hard to look at yourself and say, wow, I literally led myself down this path and I don't like myself. I really don't like myself. Like that part of you, you've, you've been kind of neglecting this part of you for so long because it's painful. It's in pain. It takes up a lot of attention. It might be sabotaging your life. Um, and you just don't want to deal with it. Right. So it's really important to try to forgive yourself. Um, like me, I had to look inside myself and forgive that six-year-old that was running my relationships and maybe asking for attention and, and keeping me in situations just to try to get love. Right. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's difficult, but you have to do that. You have to kind of get on your own team and you can't do that if you are hating yourself. So the first step is to forgive yourself, radical acceptance of yourself, no matter good, bad, ugly, whatever you believe about yourself, love that part of you. That that's the only way to transcend it. 
Right, and I, th- I think I, I think I had one of those epiphanies not too long ago, where it's just kind of like, because uh, I consider myself a very awkward person to a certain degree, and not really the kind of person who people really want approaching them to any degree whatsoever. But then I also have that that performer's personality where I love being on stage. I love putting on a show. Um, you ask anybody that knows me personally, it'll be like he's very quiet. He's somewhat quiet in person, and then when he get when he gets on stage. Or he, or he gets into performance mode. He's, he's a totally different personality. And I think I had I have one of these just not too a few years ago. I had one of these things like, why is that? Why is that true for me? And it's like, it's it's my way of screaming at the universe and trying to establish the fact that I'm still here. That uh, the only way for people to actually know that I'm that I exist or that the world to know that I exist is to get up on stage and become the center of attention for a few minutes at a time. Uh, which it was it's, it's one of those moments where you're just sitting back lying, lying back himself or at night uh, trying to get to sleep and it's like fuck <laughs> yeah no that's powerful and that's that's really brave of you actually to admit too because a lot of people don't even get that far and notice anything about themselves um, and I would say yeah so there's a part of you that maybe doesn't like that you're maybe you're quiet around in other circumstances um, so that other part is what you do to kind of validate that, you know, you're not all bad, right? Um, it could be something along that line, those lines too. Um, it's not for me to say, but um, it, it tends it tends to be that. We're not black or white. None of us are black or white. Um, uh, I, I myself, like I have a something within me where I work, actually my day job is in um, medicine, in nursing. Um, and there's a love of art and creativity for me that I don't get to exercise in nursing. So there's always a part of me that wants to keep that part alive and scorned this other part, which is my day job, even though I'm doing something good too. So we're, we're black, we're, we're not black and white. Um, nobody is, uh, but the first step is just kind of being aware of that. And then asking yourself kind of, you know, what, what is it about the quietness that I feel maybe keeps me comfortable? What is it that, um, what is it that I believe about myself internally? Um, I remember, uh, cause I've been a pretty shy person for a lot of my life too. I had to dig deep cause I had this un- underlying feeling that I was scared of people hearing me speak. And when I really dove deep into that inner child, I was brought back to when I was like eight years old being driven to school. And my brother would constantly shush me every time I would try to speak. Something as small as that traumatized me to a point where now as an adult, I'm terrified to speak to people thinking that they don't want to hear me. So it's important to kind of get in there and clarify that. And you reeducate that part of yourself. And you're like, hey, um, that's not true. Uh, You were eight. Your brother was like 10. You were both children. This is not true. This is a story you made up to get through the pain at the time. Um, so, so that's what I mean by those, you're identifying, you're being conscious, you're identifying those parts. And then when you find them, forgiving yourself, because more than likely you're an innocent human being and there's an innocent child in you that isn't bad. They're not demonic. They, they're just hurt and they need love. They need re- re-education and they need redirection. That's it. You hear that boomers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so, have a quota. I have a quota after you. Sorry. So what's the next step? Oh so my you, you realize you you, re, you realize where the trouble starts. You have to contend with the fact that, you know, um, everyone has these issues that they have that that's 
probably started from when you were a kid and you never really grew out of. Yeah. And 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 then what then what do you do about it? When once you once you come to terms with that, okay, I found my inner child. I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit him down, and I'm gonna give him a talking to, and then hopefully we're gonna get we're gonna get ice cream afterwards. Yeah. And that's a big thing. It's like you get to know yourself, you love yourself, you forgive yourself. And I would say the next thing is to create a higher vision for yourself. So now that you are modern day adult Christian, I'm modern day adult Molly. um, We have goals we want to achieve. And we have these deep internal emotional bodies or children that are in us that are kind of holding us back. And we're kind of making friends with them. We're making peace with them. We're identifying where things went wrong when we grew up. But we still need to know where we're going. Um, so it's forming a vision for where you want to steer you and your child, right? So you're going to treat this child like as though they're your actual child, whether you want children or not, um, you're caring with them for life, right? There's this part of you that you're always going to have stir up emotions for life and you have to kind of know where you're taking them, um, and where you're taking yourself. So it's creating a, a higher vision for yourself. That, that would be the next step to know um, what you want your life to look like, what you want to strive for, um, because that determines what you're going to re-educate that child to believe now. That's within you. So if what you did, know, what did that look like for Molly? <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what did what did uh, what what did the ultimate evolution? What did the third Pokemon form of Molly look like? Once, so, once they evolved. Yeah. So for me, I felt, okay, so there was a, that, that inner child in me always loved art and always thought that unless I was doing art for a living, I was useless and always scorned me choosing a different path, etc. So for a lot of my life, I was trying to kind of make something happen with that. And it always felt very hard, very difficult. I always felt resistance to it. Um, and so ultimately I kind of sat myself down with my child and I said, you know, if this feels like there's a lot of resistance, this might not be the path that we need to take. So what is it about being an artist, like drawing that you love? And the part that that child loved was it was the only way I used to get attention as a kid. And now nobody pays attention to me anymore because I don't make art. And then I say, okay, well, what if there are other ways for us to, first of all, give attention to ourselves? And second of all, what if we have other talents to put into the world? And she was okay with that. So it's kind of like I've, over time, as I've done a lot of inner work, my vision starts to kind of shift So I'm constantly kind of adding to that higher vision as that part of me starts changing as well. So I would say now, um, now my higher vision, I'm actually back true, uh, to the drawing board in terms of now that I've discovered all this about myself, what do I want to do with all the creative talents within me? And now that I know that I don't necessarily need to label myself, maybe a fine artist, what other things can I actually do? that will bring me joy. So, um, a lot of people might be maybe chasing something that they think brings them joy, but maybe they're just, it's really hard for them. They're kind of feeling a lot of resistance to it. Start with yourself, your deep inner self, and then form your higher vision. I think it'll, it'll be a lot clearer once all of you is on board, your emotions, your younger self, you, once everything is on board, then you can form that higher vision a lot easier. Okay. If that makes uh, sense. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to try to 
squeeze that all into a sense if so correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. um, you thought you might be a failure if you weren't doing exactly what you loved as a day job and making money off of that exactly. and then you made a realization that no that doesn't is like as long as you're living as long as you're able to uh go through life and still enjoy the things you did it didn't necessarily have to be your day job or your night job or whatever whatever uh as long as you do it as long as you were you were happy doing what you loved as even if it didn't necessarily bring in the bacon exactly exactly i had to kind of re-educate that part of myself yeah Exactly. And I think that's something that's actually super relatable for a lot of people. Like I know me personally, as someone who loves to perform in all these doing and 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 act and do improv and now podcasting, like everything I love to do doesn't pay a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and it really and it really never will. Like even the the greatest improvisers in the world have been doing it for thirty years and yeah. probably get get and probably don't get paid near as much as you might pay a doctor or a lawyer or even like other higher class actors or anything like that like the best podcasters in the world probably make enough money to get by so if i if i'm doing something i'm doing it because i love it it's uh one of the reasons one of the reasons why most of my news and um opinions always come from podcasting because it's people who you no one no one's podcasting with an agenda yeah yeah. You're just trying to get you're just trying to get the word out because there's really nothing at stake. Uh, and if, if you are and there are people podcasting with an agenda, but really, we all we all know it and no one's listening to them anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a super relatable idea that you that you don't need to be doing uh, this one specific thing. You don't need to to be happy. There are it's, it's not settling there. It's adjusting. It's adapting. Yeah. And, and that part of you that obviously feels the happiness is that emotional part of you, right? That's usually the inner child part of you. Um, and we just have to make sure that we're, that they're not kind of running the show. So, um, for, for example, like you, I thought that that part of me, that, that young part of me thought that I was a failure because I wasn't making money off of art. Um, and if I, if I kind of listen to them, then I'm going to keep trying and chasing. And then eventually art's going to be something I don't really like to do anymore. Um, so it, it becomes something where you need to kind of get in tune with your emotions. Um, and what I've definitely learned is that if it feels good, that's usually the right way to go. Anything that takes a lot of resistance spiritually. And again, this is just my spiritual thought. It, it usually isn't the right path. Um, something that's meant for you is going to, it's kind of going to, it's going to flow to you or it's going to come to you a little bit easier. There's a reason why, um, you know, for example, me, I have no thoughts of doing heroin. That's just not in my cards versus some other people. It's always in their cards. Like they're meant to have those thoughts versus I'm meant to have other thoughts. Like this is my other path that I'm taking. Um, so it comes down to (laughs) genetically predisposed to do a lot of drugs (laughs) so it kind of comes down to you know like um going with the path of kind of least resistance emotionally um there are some paths physically that might be harder but you're happy to do it like some people who form businesses are ecstatic to do that even though it's hard as hell so um find that part that's that your emotions feel it's, it's a path that's not resistant for you emotionally. Um, and identify what your beliefs are around it. Again, I thought I had to make money to do this and 
I, I really don't, I can do it and have, and be happy. Um, and that removes all resistance from it. And it, and it just, it flows a lot better. So, and then based on that, now I'm able to go back to the drawing board for my higher self and say, okay, so my higher self loves creativity. Um, I know that I don't necessarily have to do this type of art, but what else am I interested in and what makes me internally happy to even think about? And it opens up the scope now. So I'm not just narrow-minded thinking I need to be an artist. I can open myself up to all kinds of things now that I kind of re-educated that emotional part of me. Yeah. And a thought that just came to me is that this also makes it the idea, the, the idea of staying open and adapting also makes it available for everyone to kind of get into this level of behavior because if, cause I mean, let's face it, like there are, um, social structures involved in trying to get the exact ideal of a job that you want. And some people will have to work that much harder to get to that point. And, you know, when someone makes it, it's great, but there are still plenty of people like I'm definitely a believer that the best basketball player in the world definitely does not play in the NBA. The best actors are probably doing podunk theaters in small towns and not working in Hollywood. Like there are just certain cases where you might have the talent and you might have the passion, but there are just plenty of things, steps along the way where you just might not have been lucky enough. You might not have been, uh, known the right people and, or there, or, you know, you had to work a day job so that you can put bread on the table and you couldn't afford to just live out in a car and have your parents pay your bills for the, for a couple months. It's, it's, it's a part of life, but that doesn't stop you from getting to a point where you are the person you want to be. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yes. You said it so well. Exactly. Like you don't, I mean, there are plenty of like, like my brother, for example, he's, and I'm not just saying it because he's my brother, but he's an excellent painter and he, you know, he's not in, you know, these crazy big galleries across the U S right. Um, just a couple. Um, but in either case he's happy and he's doing what he was meant to do. So, um, in his higher vision, it, you know, he might want to obviously make a living off of what he does, but it doesn't stop him. Uh, for some people it stops them entirely for not making that bread right with it. So yeah, that higher vision included in there, whether or not it's going to pay you or not, it's part of you. It's part of your personality. It's part of your best self. Yeah. What are, what are some of the actual, um, changes you can make to get to like, what's the next step? What, what do you, what do you actually have to start doing? So the next step, um, so adopting the lifestyle that fits the life that you want to create. So after you kind of envision that life, you, you identify that part of yourself, you're re-educating them, you're conscious of yourself. You're like, Hey, I want to be better. Now you build this life in your mind, or maybe you journal it, et cetera, adopting a lifestyle that makes that possible. So for example, um, you're constantly, um, healing those sabotaging thoughts you're taking. You're, you're kind of living your day out with, um, maybe you're taking accountability for your life and the way that it's that it's gone. Um, and you're, you're kind of just changing your life. You're redirecting your life. So let's say you imagine that you are, um, I don't know you. Yeah. You, let's say you want to be an artist, right. Um, and you never, ever go down to Wynwood, which is like our art district. You never, ever, um, you don't have any friends that are artists. You, um, you don't follow what current artists are doing. You don't even really draw as much as you should. You don't have your own Instagram. You're kind of like starting to adopt, that lifestyle to fit what it is that you want, despite what your inner demons and your inner child is trying to stop you from doing because it's scared. 
And it has these beliefs of, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I've never been able to do that, or I won't make money doing that. Those are all limiting beliefs that you need to start re-educating them and letting them know, Hey, you know, um, let me, you know, like, why do you believe that? And you're, you're treating them as though they are your actual four-year-old child in your backseat, right? They're scared. So they're taming their fears and it's really you. And you're going to seem crazy because you're like talking to yourself, but whatever. Um, and you're taming that child and you're asking, you know, what is it that you need to feel safe? What is it? And you're kind of getting to know them so that they can stop getting in your way. They can go back to playing and being happy and you can drive your adult life the way that you want. So is this an, is this an attempt to, cause you mentioned about how, how much of our decision-making is run, how much of our lives are run by our subconscious. So is this about bringing that 90% down a bit and trying to get a little bit more conscious control? Yes, that's exactly what it is. So you're kind of going into those, um, that part of you that's traumatized and is way too scared to open an Instagram because it thinks nobody is going to like it, that it's not good enough. Cause as a child, maybe it was bullied, uh, had problems with dad and mom was the black sheep of the family. And so as a child growing up, you adopted this belief because, you know, though, you know, as a child, you're defenseless. Um, you tend to really personalize a lot of things that happen to you into being your fault because the adults around you can do no wrong, right? They're there to protect you. So what you do is you make up these stories, you believe them, you buy into them because it's, it's the only way it makes sense. It's the only way that it makes sense is that maybe they're treating you poorly. Maybe nobody's talking to you. The only thing that makes sense is that there's something wrong with me. And so you live your life like this. Um, and then when you meet people, you're kind of shy, you kind of have this reservation, you don't really want to talk to people, or um, maybe you think nobody wants to date you, et cetera, et cetera, right? It kind of runs you subconsciously. So this is an attempt as far as your lifestyle, you're changing it to start favoring the lifestyle you actually want. And you're starting to kind of let them, you're getting their hands off the steering wheel, that small child in you. And you are taking the wheel. And now you're saying, hey, I'm going to do this. Of course, you need to settle that part within you, that child that's scared to death. And just because they're scared doesn't mean that it's the wrong thing that your adult self should, should do, should not do. Um, but yeah, the, it's... So yeah, I am thoroughly interested in this subject matter. And it's, uh, I think it's something that a lot of people need to hear. In fact, we're probably going to end up having to do this again. Uh, we have a little bit more time and, and I'm really excited about getting to this next part because I'm looking at your notes and I just like the idea of feeding your brain the good shit. Oh, uh, definitely. So, so we, we, can, we, can, we can touch on this for the next few minutes and then we might have to come up, we might have to do like a in summary kind of thing for everything we've covered so far. Okay. And, and, and then maybe continue this later on down the line yeah i totally i love to yeah this is one of those things where uh we can definitely go hours and hours but i don't want to scare anybody away just yet (laughs) no it's and it's a deep subject i think at some point it resonates with somebody everybody differently at different levels in the conversation where it applies to you but you can literally change your life just by channeling this part of yourself literally change your life overnight um, right, and so I don't yeah, make, Molly, yeah. feed my brain the good shit. So feeding your brain good shit. So again, so we're reconstructing, rewiring that subconscious part of ourselves, which is the inner child that drives our emotions, right? Drives our inner world. Um, so you want to feed your subconscious mind good shit. So the subconscious, there's a little, there's different levels of consciousness. So conscious is uh, like 
basically what your awake self goes about the world, looking at things um, and acting on your behalf. The subconscious is the part that goes under the radar. It's the part that has all the memories, all the experiences that you've had. And it generally holds all your impressions of life. So I meet somebody new. My conscious decision is to go on a date with them. My subconscious is telling me, man, do you see the way he like, kind of like he's on his phone all the time? That's a little scary. That's that part of you gathering that information and relating it to your past experiences, right? And you're making those impressions. So your conscious mind goes off of your subconscious, if that makes sense. Um, so, um, you can rewire your subconscious mind just by sheer repetition. So, um, reading, reading books, watching videos of all these topics and kind of just surrounding your life and feeding your brain good shit eventually gets your subconscious mind, um, to memorize all that information and, it rewires itself. So if you've heard about things like post-it notes and little, um, uh, for example, leave post-it notes on your mirror, um, make alarms to remind yourself of like, you know, uh, things to do throughout the day. Um, those are all ways to reprogram your subconscious. Whatever you feed it constantly becomes your pattern. So, so it's not uh, just like taking a syringe of dopamine and plugging it straight into my skull. No, no, it's, you have to try to, uh, you have to try to feed it good, positive, inspirational content related to what you want to accomplish so that you can, uh, you can have that automatically now running under the radar. And that's what drives your decisions now. So it's not even about watching those videos of people cutting, uh, things that that don't look like cake and then they turn out to be cake because (laughs) that would get me super excited and happy, but it doesn't actually relate to any goals that I might have in becoming (laughs) a better person. No, no, no. So you're not feeding your brain fake, uh, fake items that are cake. No, nothing like that. Um, (laughs) So I'll take the example from before. So let's say I, I choose my conscious mind goes on a date and I've been feeding my subconscious videos about maybe female empowerment, maybe um, independence. When I go on that date and I see that guy, my subconscious sees that guy on his phone, instead of being like, oh my gosh, I'm worried he's on his phone all the time. I'm instead, my subconscious is going to say, well, you know what? Next. You know, so you're going to approach things very differently based on what you feed yourself subconsciously. Okay. Yeah. So I would say okay. that's the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, we can, we can move on to the next. Yeah. We got time. We got time to go on to the next thing, which was about, is this the get your whole body wellness in check? Mm-hmm. This is one of the last ones that I discovered actually in recent months in the beginning, I was not paying attention to this at all, but whole body wellness, which is sleep, food, et cetera. The stuff that people usually, when you get to that, they start yawning. Cause they're like, I know I need to sleep nine hours a day. I know I need to eat, you know, like proteins and whole wheat and et cetera, et cetera. But it does affect the decisions you make, your mood, your mind. It affects how well it functions. Um, I can't say it enough. Like you can do all the inner work you want, but if your body's feeling out of whack because you're not sleeping and you're not eating right, it's it's not going to be, you're not going to be living your best life. So Define, that's the next right, step. Because I just, I just had a whole handful of donut holes 
<laughs> so for everybody, it's, it's totally, so you have to find you, right? You have to discover you. And that's actually the next step was going to be to study yourself. Um, but studying you. So me, for example, when I started paying attention to my body wellness, I figured out that when I sleep less than nine hours, which is a ridiculous amount of time, if I sleep less than that, I'm not functioning to my optimum. If I fast in the morning, like I skip breakfast, I actually function better throughout the day. Um, if I eat carbs, I, I like, that's like the death of me and my mind. Um, so you just discover this about yourself and you kind of pay attention to what your body is saying. Um, your body tends to hold a lot of emotional cues. So, you know, when you're anxious, you feel it in your chest, when you're angry, you feel it maybe in your head, your shoulders, your neck. Um, so your body is, is in tune with your mind. Like it's all connected, of course, um, hormones and all that kind of stuff, neurotransmitters. So your body has to function well for your emotions to be in check too. So I would say okay. that's the next step. Yeah. I think that is a lovely place to leave off for now, just so that we stay under an hour. And I see that things uh, might get a little bit more spiritual in future discussions. So I think we can that's definitely a good place to leave off so that we can really give that all the time it deserves. Oh, yeah. So in the meantime, Molly, I just want to thank you very much for doing this with me. And I hope we can do a few more. I think we're definitely going to have to do at least one more. If no people, if there's anything that you want to share, um, not necessarily very quickly, if you just want to get it off your chest really quick about why this is important to you. And then when you're done, you can share any uh, places that you want other people to know about. If you want them to follow you on social media or whatnot or any other thing, any other thing that might be interesting you at the moment. Yeah, of course. Of course. So. Um, so if you resonated with any of these messages, it means that obviously you were in the right place. You're in the right mentality, the right state. Um, so kudos to you. And I hope you follow along into the next episodes. Um, I do believe that this is the most important job anybody will ever have. Everything in your life just comes right back down to you. Um, so get you straight first. Um, I guess in the next couple of episodes, I'll offer some resources as far as like what I think really helps with these um, with these topics. If you want to follow me personally, I actually have an art Instagram under my name, Molly Irizari, M-O-L-L-Y-I-R-I-Z-A-R-R-Y. Um, and you can follow me there. See all the little creative things I'm doing. Yeah, I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. Molly, thank you so much for doing this with me. We, I will definitely be having you back. I feel more uh, whole as a person just after this one hour. Um, and no that's problem. not just because, And that's not just because of the donut holes that I ate. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, Molly. And, you know, say bye to everybody. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And I'll see you guys next time. All right, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Thanks so much, Molly. I learned so much from her. I hope you guys did too. I hope you enjoyed. Any references and notes about what we talked about can be found at InMyDefensePodcast.com. Uh, we're going to do a part two to this episode eventually. If you want that to come sooner rather than later, please let us know at InMyDefensePodcast.gmail.com. 
give us five star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. I don't know if Spotify does reviews. Google Music, which I think is turning into YouTube music now. So who knows how that's going to work? But whatever. If you liked what you heard and you want more of it, please let me know. I am anti Chris Rivero on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me on there. The music you heard on this episode was Too Cool by Kevin McLeod. If you want to find out more about that, check the notes on our website. And that's it for the In My Defense podcast. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week.